sometimes I'm like, oh, am I saying too much? And even sometimes when I share things on social media, people will be like, you're so brave. You're so open. I'm like, I didn't realize I was being brave and open. (laughs) I'm like, oh, shit. Sidebar, and I have to share my experience with you. Sidebar is a leadership program that accelerates your career. The program is designed for the world's most dynamic leaders and professionals who want to do more, do it better, and do it faster. Sound like you? It's like having your own personal board of directors made up of brilliant industry leaders. Sidebar found me a great match with a highly vetted and supportive peer group. We meet bi-weekly to discuss my challenges as an entrepreneur and builder. Every call has been impactful, helping me navigate my next steps and blockers. Peer groups provide accountability, diverse perspectives, and raw feedback, which is the most important. And everything is confidential. The best part is Sidebar runs the program and you just show up. They have the tech, the people, and the processes to drive impact and growth. Professional facilitators lead you and your peer group through a research-based curriculum that unlocks specific insights from each group. Learning from other people's experiences has been so valuable. By joining Sidebar, you are better prepared to face complex challenges, advance in your career, and make a bigger impact. Jump the growing waitlist of thousands of senior leaders waiting to join Sidebar and build your board of directors by visiting sidebar.com slash she's interesting. That's sidebar.com slash she's interesting. Welcome to She's Interesting. I'm your host, Rochelle Hariri. Today, we have a really, really exciting episode. We have Arthi Sharma joining us. She's an entrepreneur, angel investor, and technology leader. She is the founding partner of Backbone Angels, an investor collective led by women executives from Shopify. How badass is that? Arthi is passionate about leveling the playing field for entrepreneurs and investing companies and brands led by women and people of color. She is an investor with over 50 investments, including companies that you may have heard of like Willful, Cotton, Three Ships, and Sheertex. And you know what? The list goes on and on. She's also the co-founder of Glee, which is a (laughs) modern day beauty brand offering natural products rooted in South Asian tradition, which she runs with her siblings. So how sweet is that? She's also just a generally good person. She's a fashionista. She's a mom and she's a partner. Welcome to She's Interesting. Oh, I love, thank you for that intro. I haven't heard my bio in a while. Yeah. Yeah. Like, especially read out loud. Yeah. Oh, it feels good, huh? Yeah, it feels good. But then also I'm like, oh, 50 companies. Oh. The stress. Um, the stress, but also I'm like, oh, wow, I've invested so much money. Um, and thank you for the Glee shout out. Anytime. I love these products. So I have um, the lip balm, but I also have the overnight mask. And I am obsessed. I used to use a very popular brand that's at Sephora that's also an overnight <laughs> mask and I stopped using that. I get so that I from it. so many women yeah. and we've been like just starting out like our creator partnerships and so many in the, of these like amazing creators are like, I have replaced all my overnight masks yep. with your mask. And I'm like, yes, that's what I want to hear. But I actually, mm-hmm. the mask is my favorite product. I use it it's all so day. Good. Yeah. I use it like during the day all the time. I love it. So, yeah. okay, let's, let's start from the beginning. I want to take a step back to because I've known Arthi for a while, and I want to go back to like the early days of Arthi when you were just a young girl. So the way I see you in your life, and this is like as an outsider who's just been analyzing you and your social great. media, okay, is, cannot wait. There's so there's like the early young Arthi, then there's like the professional tech woman Arthi, and then there is the investor, the founder, like post corporate life Arthi. So I want to know what were what were you like when you were younger? Like little Arthi living in Brampton with her family, what was she like and what were your aspirations for the future? 
Yeah, I you sent the questions over and I yeah. read it and I was like, oh my goodness. Um, <laughs> only because I feel like I'm doing a lot of like younger child inner work mm-hmm. and it's so just like yeah right feels yeah. good and yeah. sad <laughs> and sad right yeah. so like I, every time I think about young Arthi I like want to give her a hug yeah. um and so it brought up a lot of emotions um I was just always a creative child um mm-hmm. very into the arts very into drawing um I went to like uh arts high school that like wow. I applied for with a portfolio and so um I was very hyper fixated on like the creative side of my brain um Mm -hmm. but I'm the eldest of four and so when I think about young Arthi I think about chaos I think about like loud family lots of love but also lots of like yelling and fighting between siblings (laughs) I I have to say I am the exact opposite I'm the youngest of five oh yeah yeah, and so as you talk about like the chaos as the older sibling I also recognize the chaos as the youngest and also potentially creating some of that chaos. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, And so I just think about this like young girl who was always kind of in her head um, dreaming about random things, but I didn't really think I, like, I didn't know what I wanted to be. Like a lot of people ask me that. And I don't know, obviously every young person wants to become a teacher because that's like a job that you see that adults are doing when you're growing up. And you get to write Um, on the chalkboard, which always looked really fun. (laughs) Exactly, right? And then I didn't really want to teach. And um, I just got diagnosed with ADHD this year. But Mm -hmm. I realized like I have such a complicated relationship with like academia because of that. Because um, obviously when you have ADHD and like a lot of women are undiagnosed, but you go mm-hmm. back and you think about like your early childhood and your like educational journey. And it's really just like lots of like valleys, um, yeah. only because there are moments where you're doing really well and you're like hyper fixated and you're like into a subject. But if you don't mm-hmm. like the subject or you don't like the teacher or something is like irking so you about hard. the classroom, it's like, you're not going to do well. And so I feel like I've been going through a lot of emotions on like, and not regret, but more like what could have been. Yes. (laughs) Um, And so I I don't remember actually wanting to do like a particular job. I just always Mm -hmm. was dreaming, I feel. Um, And then obviously when I got older and in high school, I was like, oh, maybe I'll be a graphic designer. I'm in an arts program. And then I actually hated the arts program because now I had to do it. So that's like my rebellious brain. The fun was gone, you know. Um, It wasn't like just like a thing that I like to do. It was like assignments in classroom and And you're graded and and it's like stressful now. You have to focus. Exactly. When they tell you to focus, which is hard when you have ADHD. Yeah. And so, and then obviously being South Asian and being surrounded by like amazing South Asian, like my girlfriends who were Mm -hmm. going to school for like, they wanted to do science and they wanted to do medical school. They wanted to do political science and they wanted to law school. Like I felt just a little bit lost. And so I ended up going to school for political science, which I'm actually glad I did because um, I just was always really curious about the world. Would you have ever thought being so creative and artistic that you would end up in a space where you're focusing on investing and being an angel investor. And do you see, like, I'm sure, I'm, I know that there's creativity in it as well, but like, how do you bring that part out as a, as an investor? Yeah, I think it depends on what you invest in, mm-hmm. right? Like, I think right now, I mean, I'm so fortunate to be in a position to invest and I'm so fortunate to be in a position to build a family office based on the things that my husband and I are just interested in, right? Mm-hmm. Or like, the products or the people that we want to see succeed in the world. Mm -hmm. And so for me, you see that in the types of companies I invest in. I say I'm not like a D to C investor and like I don't do consumer because like obviously my background is like in tech marketing. Um, 
But I fall in love with good products and I fall in love with like good branding and like good ideas and especially women who like want to create these new things. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think that's where it comes out where I'm like, oh, that's really good branding. (laughs) Like, I'm like, oh, you have a really creative brain or like, I just love the way certain entrepreneurs see the world where they're like, okay, this doesn't exist, but I can create it this way. And I feel like that's kind of the the mm-hmm. merging of the left brain and the right brain. And so, love that. yeah, I kind of fall in love with those entrepreneurs. I also think that there's creativity in every area in life. You can, if you're a creative person, I feel like you will find a way to get closer to things that serve that part of you. And totally. in, in your case as an investor, it's you fall in love with like the marketing and the branding and the like color schemes and what it feels like. And all of that is super creative. If someone's very analytical, they wouldn't necessarily be looking at that. They'll just be like, what are the numbers like? Yeah. Are they selling or not? Yeah. And, and I you're should look more. at the numbers more, but I don't because I, I like, I, I invest so early stage, right? Like, yeah. so I often talk about like, I actually don't talk about angel investing that much, like the mechanics of it only because I think it is not a science. It's not like, mm-hmm. it's not so methodical. Like there shouldn't be that many like models and stuff that you're creating because you're investing so early stage. And I find uh, I get a little uncomfortable talking about angel investing only because I think it should only be a part of your portfolio. And it's a very privileged place to be in where you have another portfolio that is maybe more secure and like Mm -hmm. you have real estate holdings and all the other things. And then I feel like maybe that's just like maybe a, the woman in me, but I'm like, I feel like you should only do the angel investing <laughs> if the other side is like... Is doing well. Is doing well. Unless yeah. it's like you really get the product or you really get the founder or, you know, like we're blessed to be mm-hmm. ex like tech employees. And yeah. so I think when you're in tech, you're inherently around people who are creating. For sure. And so those companies that like are just solving really good problems run by founders that are technologists. You're just like, okay, there's something here. Mm -hmm. But even as an angel investor, it's like, you're just coming in so early on. Like, yeah. It's it's a risk for sure. I had a call with a friend of mine who you actually know as well. And he was telling me, it was just last week. Because I was like, yeah, you know, like what's what advice do you have for angel investors, which I'm going to ask you as well. And he's like, you know, it's a risk and think of angel investing as a risk and understand that you might not see that money ever again. Ever again. And so that's, that's, he's, and like you said, it's a, it's a privilege to be an angel investor. The money might be gone, but you're investing in the idea, you're investing in the founder. And so as someone who's been doing this for a while now with a, with a big portfolio, what advice do you give to women also like in our age group who are, you know, they've, they've worked in their corporate jobs or their careers, they've made good money, and now they're looking for other ways to either invest or, or give back. What should they know if they want to get into angel investing? Yeah. I, so a lot, a lot, I get this question all the time, especially in like Instagram DMs, which is like, oh, I want to invest in these type of companies. I'm like, you inevitably as a woman who's like now, as I go into mid age, mm-hmm. I'm realizing that so many women end up leaving their like corporate jobs. And obviously there's like, many societal reasons we don't need to get into that mm-hmm. for that but also we might also, we might but also like a lot of like moms yeah. who are now like I don't want to go back to that type of work yeah I feel like so many of them are smarting starting really interesting businesses and so for me it's like if you're if you want to get into angel investing I think you need to talk to those women like you need to talk to your friends who are already doing the thing mm-hmm. um and ask them like are they raising money have they raised a friends and family how are they supporting this business um, especially now where like starting a business isn't as 
scary and daunting as it used to be, even though you and I know it's like, it's still a lot of very work. hard. <laughs> yeah. um, but I just feel like there's so many people in my network who are always starting businesses, especially women. And I'm like, start with them rather than be aspirational with, I want to invest in like the next bumble. I'm like, yeah. maybe your friend's building the next bumble. Right. And so I think you need to start at home. I, I got really good advice when I first started angel investing, which is um, if you want to be an angel investor, you just say you're an angel investor. <laughs> like, <laughs> I've heard the same, right. Yeah. Which is like, yeah. just say you're an angel investor out loud a couple of times and like, like companies pop up and yeah. obviously, you know, they might not be the right ones for you right away. But mm-hmm. I think a lot of it is like just seeing your angel investing. And I get a lot of like cold reach outs, a lot of cold reach outs, but sometimes I get really good cold reach outs where I'm like, oh, you know, I exist. Like yeah. I've been following your company for years. And so I think a lot of it is like just saying that you're angel investing, which I feel like as Canadians, we don't necessarily do because yeah. we're bad about like talking about money, but I'm like, just say it. When you're getting these cold DMs or messages how does someone stand out? Let's say someone's listening to this podcast right now and they have a brand and they're like, Arthi would be the best investor. We want to work with her. How do they reach you and how do they pitch you in a way where you'll actually pay attention? Yeah, I think the hard part about angel investing and, you know, when we started Backbone, like our thesis was really like, we want to be the friends and family round for women who don't have that network. Mm -hmm. I think inherently that's really challenging because, as a founder, I expect you to be out there talking to everybody about building your business or Mm -hmm. especially if you're in that like trying to raise money phase, right? And Mm -hmm. so a lot of it is like, have I heard of you somewhere? Um, And I know it sounds like kind of scary to say, but have you built your own brand? Have you built like the company's brand? Um, Do I know about your products? Do I know about who you are? Mm -hmm. Um, Do other angel investors that I know, have they referred you or have they like brought you up before? I think inherently that stuff helps. And I think that's really hard to hear when you're a woman who has this really great idea and you may not have that network. So the cold DMs that I always respond to are mm-hmm. the ones that actually understand why I would be a good fit as an investor. Because I think a lot of people are like, mm-hmm. oh, Arthie, it'd be so great for you to invest. And I know a lot of other angel investors get this. I'm like, I actually think I'd be a really bad angel investor for you. I'm like, yeah. Do you know my philosophy on angel investing? Have you heard me speak about it? Have you read anything that I've said? And if you can't refer to that, I'm like, I don't know if you know why I would be a good angel investor because I'm I don't I'm not very active, right? I'm mm-hmm. like the if I'm really interested in your company, I'll probably write a check and maybe like I'm available for a call here and there, but like I'm running my own business now. And so I'm an operator investor. That's like the value of somebody like me. Yeah. But if you have a product that doesn't necessarily need go-to-market support or doesn't need like a lot of brand support, um, I, I don't know why you would want me. And so I think you have to be like very specific with your pitch. Yeah. Um, and that always like gets me excited. When people are building their hit list of who they would want to work with or have potential in investors, I think... Some people will come to you because they just like you and they respect you. And they're like, how cool would it be to get yeah, an opportunity? Yeah, you're on a list of like angel, yeah. active angel investors, right? And yeah. I get a lot of those where it's yeah. like, oh, I know like you're investing right now. And I'm like, yeah, but I don't like why? Like I, I need to know <laughs> a little bit more be, of the why. Yeah, Exactly. As the investor, there needs to be a reason for you because your portfolio is growing and that's, that's great. But you need to have that compelling reason for you to be like, okay, I'm going to take the time and invest. And like yeah. you said, 
you're much more on the operator side. So if they need help with go-to-market, or I was about to say GTM, their go-to-market <laughs> <laughs> acronyms. Um, Michelle then, and I used to work together. Okay, yeah. so we have like, a language. <laughs> so, so many. Um, but yeah, I, I think that's really great advice. And so for anybody who's listening, do your research. I think the key takeaway here is if you're going to reach out to an angel investor or an investor at all, make sure you've spent a couple of hours and research this investor so that you understand what you're going to them with. You're able to clearly articulate what you want from them and how you would benefit each other. And so that you also have your numbers in order so that you can say, hey, this is how quickly we're growing. This is the stage we're at. And this is why I think we should work together. Yeah. I, I invest in lots of different types of people. And and my thesis is obviously around like, I want to prioritize investing in women, but um, I also invest in men too. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes I'm like, I want to see those decks as well. So yeah. that's like another call to action, which is like, you know, don't just think about what they're known for, or what they talk about is like, if it's an interesting enough product and you think you're solving a good problem, like put that in the pitch and talk to them. Yeah. I love yeah. that. Okay. I'm going to do a quick turn of conversation here because <laughs> one of my big questions that I, I want to ask you is, you worked at Shopify for a decade. So, so you, you were there. <laughs> I worked there as well, <laughs> but not, not as long as you have. And so my question for you is looking at your, the trajectory of your career and your life and the decisions that you've made. And, and that's one thing I love sharing on this podcast is like talking about people's journeys and where you started, where you, you were going and then where you are now. And so when you were at Shopify, you were there early days and they were growing so much and you were there and you were able to experience what it was like for a company to go IPO. Not everyone has that opportunity. And if they're really lucky, sometimes they get it like twice in their career. So what was that experience like being around during that time when Shopify was going through the IPO? And could you have imagined that it would have had such a big impact or influence on your life? Working at a tech company or any startup, right, is just completely consuming. And I'm a builder. Like, I've realized that, especially when I left, like, a company like Shopify when it was getting to be so big. Mm-hmm. I love building from the ground up. And maybe it's, like, my ADHD, but I love building from the ground up. And I don't want to do more after that. Yeah. And so the cool thing about working at, a like, a very high-growth just company that has so much momentum is like you can always be building and so I was always focused on like the next thing to build I don't really think um and I think a lot of us who were there from the early stages like didn't really know what it could become right like you know Mm -hmm. like something feels special you know like everyone's working really hard but I'm also I wasn't the founder right so I'm not like in that founder seat and now being a founder I completely understand that like the employee versus being a founder Mm -hmm. but I think I was just consumed by the next thing and I think that was like the best part about working at Shopify was there was always something new to build I remember when we were going public like I didn't really understand what that meant um I mean I understand I understood from like uh you know like the overarching umbrella of what this means for like the company Mm -hmm. or like what it means to be on like the stock ticker. And from my perspective, I, I realized like the branding and the marketing around it. Right. But yeah. not necessarily like what it would mean for me. Mm-hmm. And I think I did that because I didn't want to set my expectations too high. I think yeah. when you're Canadian, we didn't have that many, like barely, you know, those like, just like those crazy stories where yeah. all of a sudden it's like, not only is it financially successful, because we do have a lot of financially successful companies, but you don't really hear about them. Not to this like scale and level of awareness that the whole, you know, at one point everyone kept saying Shopify's Canada's darling. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's not just that. I think like, 
we as Canadians, we're just very quiet, right? So we don't necessarily like we have a lot of very successful companies that make a lot of money. Mm-hmm. But the the thing that I found really interesting about Shopify, and I still do, um, and maybe like all kind of tech companies of that size right now, is how much of an impact they've had on culture. Yeah. And so I remember, you know, when we were in the initial days of Shopify, or not the initial days, I, I joined like employee 290. Mm-hmm. Um we would be like, oh, it'd be so cool if their store was on Shopify, right? Or like, wouldn't it be so cool if this celebrity store was on Shopify? Or, oh, this brand is like getting really big. It'd be so cool. Their store would be on Shopify. And it's like e-commerce and Shopify having that moment, I think was really special. Mm -hmm. Um, So from an IPO perspective, I don't think internally I like took that in. And almost because I don't want to set my expectations too high. Because like also in Canada, we have those one or two like stories in the last like what, 10, 15 years. Yeah. And they haven't had the best outcomes. And so I just didn't want to like, even like from a expectations financially, I didn't want to set any of those for myself. I have so many friends who've had challenges getting pregnant. Did you know one in six people experience infertility? If you're trying to conceive or even just thinking about it, it's important to prep your body. And if you have a partner, theirs too. I know this space can be confusing and sex ed seems to have missed a few chapters, but that's where Burden B comes in. The female-founded Canadian company offers prenatal supplements and at-home tests delivered right to your door. The supplements are developed by fertility doctors and include all key nutrients you need in one easy package including antioxidants that support egg and sperm quality. Burden B knows that fertility is a marathon, not a sprint, and is with you every step of the way, from preconception to postpartum. Head to burdenb.com to get 15% off your first order with code INTERESTING. Do you subscribe to any type of mindset when it comes to money and your finances? Are you still sort of developing what your money mindset is? And what advice do you have for women, you know, in the same stage in their life as you? Yeah, I think I am just really risky and I don't know if that's a good money mindset. I like it. (laughs) But I I feel like I could go make money, right? And um, maybe not a lot of money if I wanted to do only Mm -hmm. like the passion things that I I like to do. But I do think I could go out and make money. And so it's not necessarily abundance. It's more like once you have what you feel is enough, you know, like whatever your number Mm -hmm. is, whatever your comfort is, and that's different for everyone. Like what really motivates you? I'm not, I'm not sure. I'm honestly, I'm trying to figure that out. But I always feel like with money, it's like, you can go out and work, Mm -hmm. like you can go out and like, hustle and do the thing. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I'm still developing that I have a, I've been working with like a money coach. Um, She's fascinating. I can like, for the podcast, like without her information, but like love to, there are some people out there who are just, I love coaching. I Mm -hmm. love like working with coaches. I love coaches for different reasons. Mm -hmm. Um, I think if I have money, like I, that's my self care, you know, it's like my sister will tell you like, Arthie needs to go get a facial and like spend lots of money on it for sure. Yes, I do. (laughs) But also for me, I'm like, that's kind of my self care. And so I like niche coaches and therapists for that. Um, and so I have someone who works on like our money story, right. Which is like, we all have a different relationship with money. I think, especially being like from an immigrant family. Um, I also think being Punjabi and like our great grandparents going through like partition in Mm -hmm. India, it's like when India and Pakistan were like basically split up, it's like a lot of our families had to leave everything they had Mm -hmm. and start life like fresh. And so I think there's like, 
like the body remembers, you know? And so I think there's a lot of feelings around money, but I think that experience and hearing, you know, both sides, your grandparents talk about the fact that like money can just go, right? Like one day you could wake up with no money. And I, I still kind of, it's not a fear, but it's almost like a reminder in my brain where it's like, and I'm getting goosebumps now thinking about the partition, but Mm -hmm. I think money can disappear. Right. And so things can change. The world can change. We kind of had that beginning feeling when COVID hit, which is like, wow, this is one of those like fundamental global events. And so I just think about like money can come and go. Like what, what are your values? What do you do? What's your relationship with it? Mm -hmm. That's hard. Yeah. I I think that the way you're talking about money right now, even is, is very interesting because it's not so much about the money, but it's more about you. And I think that's, what's important is a lot of people when they talk about money, it's so much more like they circle around money. That's kind of the way I see it. Instead of like, I'm here at my core, money, work, jobs, they kind of go around me. But in my core, I kind of know who I am. I'm developing who I am. And I'm using this resource as an opportunity to either create more, help people and do something with the money. And I also come from an immigrant family with a single mom. And so I've had to do a lot of like mindset work on money as well. Just recognizing that and my mom always says this. She says, money will run through your hands like water. Like like you said, money comes and goes. And so one of my things that I've been working on as well is understanding that spending money and investing it will help to bring back more money. Mm-hmm. Where I find when you're a lot of times in an immigrant family, the idea is like, hoard the money, save yeah. the money. You may have to give things up. My parents had to leave Iran when I was really little to come to Canada. And so that's another one of those stories of like, you know, they had a good life had to leave everything behind and start over. And it isn't easy. And we're kind of like the next generation of yeah. how do we get over these these traumas and these mindsets from our parents and think differently and have a different relationship with how to grow our money and, and be positive about money. First of all, isn't it wild to think that our parents did that? Yeah, like, I can't imagine. Yeah, like Satish and I sometimes talk about like, oh, should we move to New York or should we move somewhere else? I'm like, the world is so tiny now that like I could talk to my mom anytime I wanted to. But then I think about my mom leaving India. I'm like, how often was she going home? Rarely. Right. And so just like how courageous. And I think that's something that like, we're not going to forget, right? Like maybe our children, children will. And so we're always going to have a very complicated relationship with money. And I I just like accept that now. I'm like, this is my money story. Obviously I have to work towards like untangling it a bit, but I'm not, like blaming myself anymore. Like I find Mm -hmm. I'm not the kindest to myself. So sometimes I get really like hard on myself. I'm like, oh, why am I thinking this way? Or why am I reacting this way? I'm like, okay, give yourself some grace, right? Like we're starting from scratch. Um, But I do think like from a a saving standpoint, I do think there is a certain amount of things that we can learn from the folks here that are like generation two, right? Mm -hmm. And like in family office language, you the acronym is G2, mm-hmm. right? It's like we can learn a lot from families who have had generational wealth here and generational wealth doesn't need to be like billions of dollars, but yeah. it can literally just be your family owns their home for, and then their, your grandparents own the same home, right? Yeah, like, yeah exactly. Um, and so I think there's a lot that we can learn in terms of like, how do we want to build that foundation, um, especially for the next generation. Mm-hmm. I love that. I, I love that we're having such an open conversation about money and experience oh. and family. I, I don't hear this enough online. All I hear is like, here's how you got to hustle. Here's how you got to make more money. And I'm like, can we just talk about, first of all, like everyone's relationship with money? <laughs> like, yeah. How's everyone doing? <laughs> it's pretty, it's so uncomfortable. And I, I, it's, I'm laughing because I was having this conversation with my husband last night. Um, I feel like 
maybe, I don't know, maybe it's oversharing and I need to talk to my therapist about it. But sometimes <laughs> I feel like I'm really open about money and then I get really uncomfortable later where I'm like, oh, did I say too much? Or mm. it's just like not the norm to talk about money, especially in Canada. Like we're just so British. We're so like yeah. closed about talking about uncomfortable topics. And so sometimes I'm like, oh, am I saying too much? And even sometimes when I share things on social media, people will be like, you're so brave. You're so open. I'm like, yeah. I didn't realize I was being brave and open. I'm like, oh shit. Like, what did I say? Um, and yeah. so I'm laughing because I, I feel like I have a complicated relationship with being open about it. And sometimes I'm just, maybe I'm too naive where I'm like, oh, I just want to talk about it. And then, you know, you bring on um, maybe like the wrong energy or the wrong feedback from people. And mm-hmm. I have to figure out how to to deal with that while just being myself and being open. Um, but I think women need to talk about money. I agree. I And I, yeah. I actually like your Instagram approach to things because I think you're very open and candid and vulnerable and you just talk about things the way they are. And I think when people are probably like, oh, you're so brave that you're talking about these things. I think it's because we don't see other people being as open, right? Everyone's trying on social media, portray this image of their lives being a certain way. And I think that's why I love your Instagram is because it's just real. Like you just share things as they are. You talk about your child, you talk about the trips, you like spend a lot of time with family, which I think is so nice to see on social media because we've become such an individualistic society where people are like, I got to hustle. I got to make money. I got to work 20 hours a day so I could be a multimillionaire. And (laughs) it's like, why don't you just like spend time with family? What happened to the good old values of like being present for your community, being present for yourself. And so I'm drawn to your Instagram because of that. And also because you have like some really great fashion. And so oh, thank like, you. As I wear like a t-shirt dress from Zara today to film. <laughs> but it looks so, so good on you. <laughs> Today's Aaron day. So. Do you have like a certain way that you organize what you share? Are you just like, I feel like this today. So yeah. that's what we're doing. Do you have anybody that helps you? Like how did these other women learn from you to be as like charismatic and like down to earth? Yeah. Well, first of all, thank you because I don't have like a lot of followers. I'm like, it's just too. like, it's my community, you know? And, um, I, it's funny that I'm talking to you about it. Cause I've made <laughs> you go through my Instagram and do an audit of like, what should I do? Cause I'm like, should I take this more seriously? Yeah. I, I think I need to take it more seriously. Like, I think I should make it more of like an account rather than Right now, it's kind of like my Tumblr page. Like, I'm like an elder millennial, you know? Like, so I'm just like, I feel like I'm an early adopter, elder millennial, always very tech forward. And so I've Mm -hmm. always expressed myself on the internet. Like, in the early days of Twitter, I had like 17 blogs, right? And so a Tumblr page and Pinterest and like Instagram and like all the things, right? (laughs) And so I'm just like a, a, I'm a sharer. And I think I process openly on the internet. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you're supposed to do that anymore or whatever. And so I feel like my Instagram is very like feels. It's very like what I'm feeling. I want to be like, one day I want to grow up and be more methodical about it. And then I'm like, maybe I should create another Instagram account, but I'm like, for what? Yeah. And I think when you're a business owner, like especially with Glee and then with Backbone, which I like really need to take over our social again. I'm like, I really should spend more time on that rather than like posting on my own account. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know. Yeah. It's it's hard. And I think like I I hate that like everything has turned into like being a content creator. It's like yeah. you have to take it seriously as a business. 
because mine is just feels and fun. Yeah. Um, and I just feel like I'm expressing myself and testing and experimenting. Yeah. Yeah. We all go through seasons, right? Like there's a time where you may be like, yeah. I want to share what I'm thinking. Seasons is important. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. and sometimes you, I always say that with work too. Sometimes I really want to lean in and go hard and do all these things. And I have all this energy. And then other times I'm like, I just need to lean back and strategize and think yeah. and slow down. And I, I love that because I used to think before, you had to be go, go, go. Because I was in corporate for so long and that's, you just have no option. When do you ever get a chance to kind of sit back and be like, let's strategize and think deeply. Like your strategy happens in the middle of doing. Right. Yeah. 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 I don't know. I feel like there's just so much content out there. That's why I've been, I think, doing more, not that I feel like I'm like a stylish person, but I feel like I've been doing the... (laughs) just like fun content like I did a get ready with me which I feel like is not necessarily the Jill Sander shirt yeah I, I love that thank stuff you, thank you but that, that's Please just keep like doing fun it. that that to <laughs> me is like hilarious and fun and silly and I think if you know me you know I'm not taking it seriously mm-hmm. but I'm a little bit nervous because I think some people think like people who don't know me well yeah think I am taking it seriously and I'm like I really gotta watch the way I like talk <laughs> about it because like my best friends are don't use social media but they'll like yeah troll me and like make fun of me and like that's my comfort zone where I'm like you know I'm being ridiculous right yeah you know like this podcast is for women who are over 30 Mm -hmm. I think there's this like huge divide with my friends now where you know we're all approaching our 40s there are some people who like will never post on social media and I'm like so interested about that segment of the population and I think that Mm -hmm. segment of the population is larger than the ones who are like sharing I mean not like content creators yeah, I mean, yeah. just like just posting regularly just people who are yeah. posting and so I think that's going to be really interesting in the next like 10 years to watch like how social media platforms kind of evolve and who uses them um, I'm just like fascinated I'm like oh no mm-hmm. one's sharing anymore okay interesting so like how are you consuming this like are you just consuming are you going to post and maybe it's because like everything's turned into business and no one wants to be like a full-time content creator. But yeah. I think that's going to be kind of interesting. I think you make a valid point there that sometimes it feels like if you are posting and I've heard people say, oh, this person's posting, they think they're like an influencer or something. I'm like, are you kidding me? This is yeah, yeah, social yeah. media is for fun. It's And Mel Robbins says this. She's like, your social media is for you yeah, and no I one else. Like that. I have a friend who doesn't like that quote, oh. but I love it. I'm like, oh. I, no, no, no. But I love it <laughs> yeah. too because it. I, maybe it's because like we're of the same generation. It's like that was the way we expressed ourselves, mm-hmm. right? Especially in the formative like 20s. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I, I agree with you. Your social media is for you. Yeah. And it's, it's a creative outlet. Like if you think about the women that are listening to this podcast, they have jobs, they're working, they're building businesses, they have families, they have obligations. And it's like your social media just becomes something that can be, if, if you don't have enough creativity in your day, an opportunity to, to be creative, to make something, to make a reel, to yeah. post it and have just like a little bit of fun. And I find with women as, as well, as we get older, for some reason, we, we have to grow up and we have to be so serious. And it's like, I love laughing. I love laughing till my stomach hurts. I like doing creative things. I love just enjoying life. And I feel like some of that we get robbed of because in the media and in society, we're supposed to be so serious and so formal and act a certain way. And it's like, no, we're all fucking hilarious. And we like to have a good time and like, just leave us alone. Yeah, exactly. And like, we're obviously more judged for that, right? Like that was honestly, that's the best part about becoming a mom Mm -hmm. where I like forgot I loved to play and now I love playing. Like I remember before I had Kabir, I read some quotes about like, you don't always have to play as a mom. Like don't feel pressured. And I was like nervous about that. I'm like, how am I going to play Lego? Like, how am I going to do these things? Especially if it's a boy. 
And then we like I had him and I just just tapped back into play and it's been so much fun. Like I love spending hours playing Lego. Like getting a new Lego set is so joyous for me. <laughs> and so yeah, I yeah, I feel like the permission to play, I needed to have a kid to have permission to play, which mm-hmm. is like the most annoying. Mm-hmm. Um sorry, I should not look. <laughs> This will be edited. Okay, okay. <laughs> I just said five minutes. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, no, yeah. it's good. <laughs> what do you want the audience to take away from your podcast? I just want them to be able to see that there's different ways of living. There's different ways of making money. There's different ways of finding joy. And there's different ways to just step into yourself and be comfortable with who you are. I think there's so much pressure from media that, hey, we're not like, you know, super hot and skinny and in our 20s know, anymore. Yeah. And we don't look a certain way. And now that you're older, like, do you have money? What's your value? What are you doing? And so this is just my way of bringing more women to the table and being real about what we're all going through and creating an opportunity for more voices. Like I was mentioning before we started the podcast that I just keep seeing all these men, so many men in podcasting, so many men talking all the time. And it's like, I love you guys. I love my husband, but I want to hear more from women. And I think that we want more men to hear about what women are up to as well. Yeah. I think that's my like one piece of advice for women who want to do something else, Mm -hmm. right? Like if you want to start a business or you want to have a brand or, you know, you want to do things that um, maybe you don't have access to. I think, unfortunately, we live in a society where you need to have, I'm going to throw out, but like a personal brand. (laughs) Um, and it, it like, that's kind of the reality. And, uh, you know, I meet men and women who are not on social media and are having a huge impact on their communities or career. But I feel like if you want to go out and do something different, you need to have that brand. And unfortunately, like, you know, we, like we talk about D to C here and there, it's like the D to C companies that are doing really well are celebrities because they have an audience. Right. Exactly. And so if you want to kind of go do something that's different, you want to start a business, I feel like people need to know who you are. And unfortunately that's, the the trade-off of being a woman in business it's like I don't see a lot of men doing get ready with me videos Mm -hmm. and like showing their product on TikTok all the time but unfortunately when you are a woman-led business you need to put yourself out there more um it's something that like I grapple with a lot because I don't want to do skincare videos all the time I don't even know if I do any (laughs) um and so I think you need to go out and and be a little bit brave and and have that brand out there whatever your medium is, right? Like Mm -hmm. you don't need to be dancing on TikTok. I actually firmly believe you don't need to be dancing on TikTok, but I, I do think you need to put your ideas out there. And, you know, I think, um, you know, we work together, like obviously people know I'm a marketer and, you know, do other things and an investor and now a founder, but I actually think my superpower is like helping leaders. I love that. Yeah. Like I used to do that Shopify, right? Like that was my favorite part about like our events and our conferences was like working with each leader on their talk, what they're going to wear, how they show up, um, Mm -hmm. you know, like what are they posting on social media? What is that strategy? And I always think if I had another career, I'd literally be a publicist for like people I love. Um, Because I love like, I love, you know, we were talking about style. I love like dressing somebody, not dressing myself, but like, I'm like, oh, this is what you should wear on stage. Or I love actually doing this with my founders. Like if you're in my portfolio, (laughs) like there's some companies that I'm like, I'm just obsessed with. And I'm like, I feel like, the founder is more of the story for a certain amount of time. And I like, sometimes I'll create a Pinterest board for them where I'm like, I I really think like your next event, you you do do that. I don't know if it's good. I think that's so nice. I I have like a complicated relationship with it because I don't, I I want women to just be themselves. Like, I don't think you should have to dress a certain way or whatever, but 
I love like women who have really great brands to wear the colors of their brand. Yeah. And so I'm passionate about stuff like that. And so that's why I think women who are listening who, you know, maybe want to go do something else or are motivated with something or are stuck, I'm like, you got to put yourself out there. Like you got to put yourself on the line. I think that's such a great way to end this podcast is just remembering that whatever you're doing, if you're starting your own business, if you're working in corporate, if you are a mom at home, just to remember your own identity and your own brand and what you want to put out in the world. So Arthi, thank you so much for joining me today. I had so much fun during this conversation. For everybody who is listening or watching this video, make sure to subscribe to She's Interesting. Be sure to also rate us um, on all this, uh, the, the Spotify, the Apple podcast, all the podcast platforms, make sure to rate us at well as well. That really helps us out and follow us on social media and sign up for my newsletter as if I haven't asked for enough. <laughs> Thanks so much. Have a good one. Thanks for having me.